Big Mac Chicken McNuggets. No, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese. Or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece chicken McNuggets, juicy quarter pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is your first time checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just awesome folks that are on our radar and discuss the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to run their businesses, create content, and overall, be more productive. When it comes to toys, we like to say toys in quotes around here because it's not just relegated to action figures, Funko Pops, all of the usual stuff that many of us collect, but it could be things like jet skis, cars, bikes, knives, guitar picks. You'd be surprised what people consider toys, so we like to embrace that broad definition on our show. So with that intro out of the way, Let's get into some housekeeping and then turn it over to this week's guest. First off, I want to take a moment and thank all of you that have been downloading the show. We got a lot of new listeners, a lot of great download numbers for the last month. I know with the pandemic and so much going on, that's a lot more important than what we're doing here is, you know, it's it means a lot that people are taking 30 minutes or an hour to consume our content. And especially on such a consistent basis, we really, really, truly appreciate it. So as always, we want to do this for you guys. And even though we seek out a lot of guests, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of creatives to interview, to share their stories with you, if you feel that there's somebody we may have missed or someone that should be on our radar, by all means, feel free to share it with us. We'll reach out to them and we would love to share their story with our audience. I also wanted to remind all of you that obviously you can get new shows every other Wednesday on the RageWorks Network. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Google Play, all of the usual places. And you can also find us in the main feed for the RageWorks Podcast Network alongside our other great shows, including Turnbuckle Tabloid, Call Me When It's Over, Cheese, Trek Untold, and the regular season sportscast, and Black is the New Black. Now, some of our hosts are on hiatus, obviously, with COVID and a bunch of other things going on, but we still have a lot of great shows, and we're always looking for great shows, too. So if you are someone that's looking to join a network or have a recommendation of someone who'd be a great fit for the RageWorks Podcast Network, send them our way. We'll do our best to help them out. Now, with regards to this week's guest, This guest is definitely going to resonate with you if you are looking to get into the gaming industry, whether it's as a streamer, a content creator, or someone that wants to get into the corporate side of things. I think this week's guests and the message that he brings will resonate with you quite a bit. In addition to talking about all of the ways that you can get into the industry, its growth, etc., We also talk about some of the negative things that have been happening in our industry, the underrepresentation or in some cases, the lack thereof for um, different demographics in the industry. We do address that. We do have some of those conversations. But more importantly, we try and share the gadgets, the gear, and just the strategies that you can take if you're interested in pursuing a career in the gaming industry. So without any further ado, I'm going to stop running my mouth and we're going to turn it over to this week's guest and learn about the toys and tech of their trade. What's going on, folks, on this week's episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade? We're taking a trip back down memory lane with a very good friend from the My Take Radio days, Sebastian Burton, chosen one. I met him through our partnership with Unveil years and years ago, and we've kept in close communication for the last few years. And Sebastian's done a lot in the esports and gaming industry, raising awareness, building his brand. And we're going to touch on that and learn about the toys and tech of his trade. 
Sebastian, what's going on? What's going on, man? Good to see you, Rich. Good to see you. You know, it's always it's always too long. It's been one day. It's been ten years, man. Good to see yeah. you. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You you have you have had a crazy crazy journey, and with the blowing up of esports over the last five to six years, and I mean real blowing up into a multi million dollar industry, you've been out there just building your brand, grinding. Uh, pushing your agency and ensuring that esports stays competitive for everyone. And I want to get into what caused you to pivot and get into that facet of the industry. Cause when we were connected way back when it was just about the community playing video games, hanging out, you know, promoting, doing what we had to do to get certain, uh, certain brands out there. And now with this multimillion dollar industry, you've, you've pivoted so much so that now you're, inside so to speak and you're making changes from within so let's talk about how that got started and what made you want to go into that side of the industry um yeah man i think that you know we come from back when the time when it was so barren it's like when the west when america moved west and like you know they just like there was nothing out there right like flat planes or whatever and like you know you had to set up and it was they called it the lawless west because it's just kind of like you know, hey, if you stake some ground here, you can build something because soon it will be worth high value, worth high value, excuse me. But like right now, it's just open land and, you know, you got to do the labors of building it. And people like me and you come back from that time where our creativity and uh, our connection held a lot of value uh, to get things activated. And uh, I always loved that about the industry. And I loved that it was our passion. We were gamers and, uh, you know, we tried to share that. And as you said, uh, come together and build something special and enjoy it together, uh, kind of enjoy the fruits of our labor. And as the years have gone on, of course, naturally, it's grown uh, big and it's gotten, you know, to be lucrative. And we've seen that a lot of corporate entities, endemic and non-endemic, have come into the community. And um, some have had successes, some have failures. But what's most important is that uh, I started Gold Standard Gaming to try to keep that soul, that, like, pioneer going west, soul of just innovation and inclusion for everybody because naturally when things get uh corporate uh they follow the the money first more than the culture right. which we've seen time and time again in different industries leads to a lot of things that aren't fair aren't inclusive and uh you know i started gold standard gaming at first as a talent agency uh to start helping kids with skills and talents that may not appear on resumes to you know, allow them to get chances to go to E3 and uh, chances to work for companies that are looking for cosplayers or looking for gamers or sponsors that want to get on, you know, that they're looking for sponsors and sponsors that want to find players. So I was trying to be that gap. And, uh, you know, the market isn't really responding or hasn't really responded to a high percentile of players getting paid. So that was a crazy year because we spent probably more money than we made on getting our talent out there, you know, all the PR, you know, kind of spends and, you know, really trying to build some of these brands, make them super valuable. And so now we've pivoted from there into uh, event promotion and digital advertising. And so uh, that's, that's just been really great. And uh, we've seen really great results uh, in just partnering with companies like EA or uh, Supercell or uh, uh, Access Replay. Uh, we've done pretty qu- good and cool things. Uh, that, you know, I just, I'm really proud of, and I'm just grateful that it, my foundation of the time that I was spending with you are showing back up. Well, I think, I think one of the things that is important, and I'm glad that you brought up, uh, helping, helping unseen talent get out there because what's happening in, especially now with this, with, with the COVID climate, as I like to say, is that a lot of those talents are finally starting to come to the forefront. You know, those kids that are spending 20, 30, 40 hours on Fortnite are pivoting and deciding that they're going to stream and they're growing th- followers by the by the hundreds, by the thousands quickly. And the thing yeah. is that I I feel that while it's great to see that there's there's still a loss in terms of what these kids are trying to to accomplish, because what they're doing is they're following personalities like ninja you know dr disrespect all these people and i always tell everybody when they ask about these these personalities i always say the same thing i'm like listen these people grinded you're not really seeing how the sausage is made you know you're just seeing oh they're on mixer oh they're on the front page of this it's like there's a lot of work there's a lot of times where 
people are sitting in a room streaming and there's z- that number stays at zero for the entire stream. Right. It's 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 right. a very difficult thing. And the fact that you're going out there and you're helping them navigate these uncharted waters is is massive because I think we need more of that. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're you hit it on the head. I just think that, you know, really educating people on the opportunities is the key. Like people are smart enough to figure it out, but they need to be shown. It's like at one point in your life, you didn't even know how to eat. So, you know, you got to know, like, people aren't going to intuitively, these things are only like 10, 15 years old. And I mean, Twitch, if we're talking streaming specifically, having it be affordable to, you know, kind of put that lifestyle in practice for a real return, you know, I'm talking about that's maybe two or three years where it's kind of like, okay, like these now 15, 16 year olds can say, hey, if you just buy me this, then I will invest all my time. But I, I strategically recognize that if I can get, you know, 3,000 people to sub to me, Twitch will offer me a partnership. That's an actual contract where I can get 50% of the next 3,000 people every month. And that conversation is brand new. So we're kind of in the shaping. When we were in the shaping stage of the gaming community, the new kids are in the shaping stages of, you know, the streaming and building a brand that, you know, entertains and delivers content. So it's, it, it's new, it's unique. And uh, I really just try to, sh- like you said, it's all about the inclusion, man. It's like everybody doesn't get that opportunity. And so it's really just about spreading that out so that everybody gets a piece of the pie because there's more than enough, more than enough. What has been what has been some of the challenges you've had to deal with in terms of just uh, planting your flag in this industry? And I say this because, you know, all 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 jokes aside, we know what the gaming industry is comprised of. It's all suit and ties. There's very there's very and I'm going to and I'm going to use this this nice, correct word. There's very there's very little urban representation. You know, we, we just don't have that. We don't have uh people people that look like us and sound like us in those higher echelons and that's not a that and i want people to understand that's not a jab at the industry as a whole because at the end of the day you put in the work you get you reap the benefits but what what can we do as just a community to to get better representation like i said what roadblocks has that caused for you along the way you know that's a great question i think that you know First and foremost, you hit it around the head. You reap what you sow. So uh, a lot of times, and I've been very vocal in the past, you know that, and I'm still vocal now, uh, but a lot of times your own frustrations are are the seed of, you know, hey, what is everybody else doing? Um, And so I want to caveat what I say next with that. Like, you know, you have to do your own work, your own research, find your own skills and amplify them and really just think outside the box to help build something if you want to own it. And that's the angle I'm speaking from. So I've always been, and as, again, as you know, like I've always been somebody looking for equality and chances. So I don't want to just say everybody in the industry doesn't give that out. Right. But a lot of people in the industry just don't give that out. Um, I've been just in the last two years, I've been interviewed by three or four of the top agencies in the industry uh, to be a, an agent or a, a representative or an account manager for like, you know, the Coke uh, contracts for these certain agencies or for, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, fossil group contract, which is all diesel watches and, uh, you know, things like that. And they're getting into esports, non-endemic brands. And then I'll go through these interviews. And by the end, um, you know, it's like, I don't even get callbacks. I mean, it's to the point where like I have four or five email chains. I want to show the world on how, like, I will go through these interviews all the way through the meeting on zoom. And then I, for three top major agencies that deal with uh, when, you know, past the uh, COVID crisis, as you uh, called it, uh, COVID climate, excuse me, um, when events come back and experiential marketing comes back, you know, these are the agencies that get most of the contracts for your E3s, your taxes, uh, maybe private events or whatever. And I want it to be known that they didn't even finish. Like I didn't get a no, it's just five, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, because this is January. So we weren't even in the spike of what we're going through yet. And it's just like, I didn't even get a call back or, hey, this is why we went the other way or anything like that. I suspect that, and that's been going on with me for probably eight years, but the last two years, I'd say it's just been where I'm certain that if your background isn't traditional or if you aren't from somehow connected to the people who have slid into the decision maker position, 
you know, you're, you're going to be ostracized. And again, I'm speaking from experience and I, I do feel like, uh, the people who got in these positions of power at these various companies got there through funding and got there through, uh, positioning, not necessarily through the, uh, kind of, uh, brotherhood community and, uh, pioneer groundwork that you and I laid down years ago. And it wasn't just you and I, there's, we have thousands of allies, hundreds and thousands of allies who did what we did, but they're not the decision makers, right? The decision makers are the people who are, uh, coming in and, getting, you know, $3 million to start some league. And within four years, what we did over 15, they're in positions of decision-making and they're raising rounds of 20 million, 30 million with no tangible product, no tangible product, just a really popular brand for a really popular game or um, really good connections in really powerful positions. So that's the kind of thing that's troubling for anybody who's authentically proven that they can, engage this audience and build brand successfully if you don't have those kind of connections and uh plugs if you will it just seems like it is a constant constant uphill battle and it seems to be similar in every other community i got friends who are accountants i got friends who are you know sports players i got friends who are doctors and these are kind of some of the similar stories you hear uh in american culture you know what i mean well the thing about it is are are you seeing that you're fostering these relationships and they're they're coming in trying to do the easy pickings meaning hey we want to start uh, a, a gaming team and they don't know the logistics that are behind it and then when they finally see it and you expose to them the work that's involved they get scared do you think that's part of it also i think that it's like they if they don't really get scared it's just more like they want to like how do i throw money at this and make it work and when it seems to be someone of your caliber or mine can truly direct them there in a real fashion based off experience. They want somebody who can hand you an education on paper that says, Hey, he can really do this, whether they have the experience or not. The industry is now more dominated by that uh, than actual experience and and qualifications is, is how I feel about it. I feel like people who want to start teams, uh, I, if I was to give you the truth, the team model to me doesn't work. This is why almost no team in all of this entire industry, no matter what team you name, is not profitable. It's all money that's been raised. So they're not beating their, their expenses. They just have a lot of burn per month. Right. And that doesn't get talked about daily. It's just like, oh, they're big. They're huge. They're big. They're huge. So I think the team model is something that will not work for esports. And I'm very known for saying esports. 2.0 is going to come once the bubble breaks. And I think the bubble is almost as swelled up as it's about to be. I've always had this prediction. I'll say it for you. So remember, 2021 is the year the bubble will break. And then 2022 is when the new growth will happen, where the original culture will make its way back in. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And I work with that kind of goal in my mind, just because I feel like even the structure of teams and, uh, you know, kind of some of the things that are happening now, is based on like a popularity club because all the data that was floating around, you remember two years ago yep. when everything you could find on either LinkedIn or websites or blogs was like esports is about to be a billion dollar industry, billion That's dollar right. industry. So much money was raised off of that in the last two years. We're just letting that money kind of swell through because what happens with investors is once that return doesn't happen because they were told, oh, don't worry, two, three years, it's going to be like, you've made a genius investor, t- investment, time to exit. But we're seeing things like Echo Fox, and we're seeing things like leagues close down and uh, t- take teams out because, you know, they, 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 the expansion didn't work out. And obviously, uh, the COVID uh, climate has slowed down a lot of the plans of the industry. Half, the exp- half of the industry is experiential tournaments and uh, activations and things like that. So uh, trying to make this pivot to Zoom is slowing a lot of things down. And um, or Zoom or at least online events and things like that has slowed things down. I think that... Uh, to get back to your main point is that teams uh, just kind of, to me, like it's just a lot of money raised. It's not really actually accurate. So it's like the whole new teams coming in following the, the big five are all just really like trying to match what they're seeing because they feel like they have a different flavor, but they're not recognizing that that model won't work. Does that make sense? No, I, I get it. I The thing about it is it's funny that you use that, that 
explanation because what happens I've noticed, especially over the years, like a few years ago, I went to Vegas. I saw that Vegas was opening this big esports arena and I saw it and I was like, uh, okay, I guess this is the stage where we're at. But the thing about it is that just because the first five teams, like you said, used that logic to get to the place that they are, doesn't mean that it's going to be a cookie cutter road for everyone. I remember maybe last year, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk on his show was saying, oh, esports is going to be the next big thing. You got to put money into it and blah, blah, blah. And of course, like anything else, they, they think the guy has a crystal ball. But to your point, right. there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes to not only find the talent for these brands, but create awareness because it's like anything else. People go out there and buy a pair of Nike shorts because there's a Nike emblem on it. They don't buy it because they care about the quality. Sometimes, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but those same shorts may be made in the same factory as a pair of shorts you buy in Walmart. The only thing that separates them is a check. (laughs) So I think that's a fact. fact. I think, I think with a lot of these teams, they see the the, the top five and they're like, we're just going to follow their model and it's going to work. And it's like, listen, People are being a lot more restrictive with how they put money out. Like you just said, everything blew up when when there was a lot more dispensable income. I mean, half of the country is, you know, and that's just a guesstimate, you know, half of the country is unemployed, so to speak. Nobody's going to go and pump in twenty five thousand dollars to get a team off the ground when you can't even do a physical event to showcase them. It's impossible. Right. 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 I mean, that's kind of the way it is. And so, you know, and it had problems even that like that's absolutely accurate but it even had problems before that if you just look at like again the case study and i'm very you know well documented on record saying like you had odell beckham uh kevin durant the yankees uh two different financial firms and who else knows what dumping money into echo fox by september 2018 it was like oh they're you know they're unstoppable like whoa this is the new thing they got sonic fox they have you know some of the bigger smash players they have a shooting game team they're one of the few teams that actually got a contract in the league of legends series rick fox is bringing them into the rocks ballers and it just seems like wow like this is it this is it right like these guys are like getting mentioned on espn and rick fox is talking to kenny main on espn and you know it, you, you start to see it up close and then you kind of turn around and three months later it's like they're filing a split up and you know it's it's racism and it's things like that. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's not happening, but we all know that money rules at all. So if the money was being made, like if sales transactions were happening, yep. we know that, you know, cures and movements and thing, you know, people getting moved out of companies would happen. You can tell by the way things transpired, which is not just Echo Fox is just the example. This is just what we know. It's like they couldn't even sell the team. They couldn't sell it. It couldn't be sold. Like their a team came, they were valued at 150 in 2018, and by June 2019, by June 2019, they couldn't sell it for 30 million. So you raised 150, and then you couldn't sell it for 30. You know that right there is alarming. It's alarming, and it should and 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 you use it as a case case by case scenario. But if you wanted to put that case up against anybody's case, I don't know anybody with more celebrity than Rick Fox. That's I don't right. know anybody more with with any more credibility from twin galaxies and jace hall i don't know any more one more popular than sonic fox sonic fox won the game uh esports player of the year award over ninja i don't oh, know if, i don't know if you get bigger people i don't know if you get any other team any other team can't compare the cases i don't know if you get any other structure and funding from odell beckham and kevin durant and you have the new york yankees had an echo fox day i don't know if anybody gets more press more opportunities, more business connections, and more actual capital to burn than Echo Fox. And then they lose 79% value in a six-month period. I don't know if any other team or any other case can show that, okay, don't worry, that's not happening to us based on the information I can see. And so that's why you're right. People do come in and they have these ideas, but we can just look at the data and see that like that whole model is high risk and i haven't seen huge reward you know what i mean yep i mean when you look at gaming personalities uh, the 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 one that sticks out the outlier out of this entire equation is ninja because the guy has partnerships with adidas the guy he's uh he's he's a tastemaker wherever he goes people go to that platform etc but my whole thing is going back to what you said before notice ninja is not a team 
Ninja is one right. guy. And and, and w- in terms of representation and what you're trying to do with your brand, you are you seeing that this is going to be the, the shift going forward where it's going to be the one guy, where you have to have that combination of moxie, engaging personality, plus skill as the as the big motivator? Or do you still feel that there is a place for teams just not as aggressive as it's been thus far? Yeah, um, I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that right now, the the just the, if I'm speaking unbiased, the industry is 100% leaning towards the personality kind of uh, leading uh, the way. But I do think there's opportunity for leads and change. I just think that really the gap is, uh, and this is kind of getting into some, you know, what I want to do. So I may be uh, telling myself a bit, but some things we're working on over on this side uh, is it's really about bringing the people together and the players together, the communities together, because right now the difference between gaming and football is that, uh, or basketball is that you can't have a bunch of call of duty players trying to be in the audience of fighting game players and vice versa. They yep. bought different games because of different genres and different cultures. And that is just the fact. Now, how do you get over that hop? That is what everybody wants to figure out, but I've already seen it done properly. And it was too early. Do you remember the championship gaming series? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I just, I, I have nothing but high praise for the idea, the original idea, but obviously from that original idea, corporate and you know things i've read through the years and uh some of the things they were trying to do with kind of some of the shady stuff the corporate team was doing there they ruined it but it also was that it was just ahead of its time i can remember watching that faithfully because uh, one of my good friends swoozy was on the la complexity and i just wanted to watch doa but if the la complexity because all of the games competed on the same scoreboard so yep. like Counter-Strike was five points, DOA was two points, FIFA was two points, Project Gotham was, or That's DOA right. was five points, Project Gotham was five points. However, it broke down. If, if, if the score after Project Gotham, FIFA, and Counter-Strike was 20 to 25, and now it's uh, Swoozy versus Master for, uh, you know, the, in all Swoozy has to do is win two to guarantee that the, the Dallas team couldn't win. I mean, that's an intense fight for everybody there. Because, yeah, you don't play DOA or care, but you know if this guy wins two rounds, you're guaranteed to win it. Or if your guy comes back and wins all five, you guys tie and go to overtime or however it works. It's like that was bringing pressure and fun and making me understand Counter-Strike and FIFA and all these things I didn't play. Obviously, as a Dead or Alive fan, I didn't play, but I was incredibly captivated when it was like, okay, they're counter-terrorist side, like they need three rounds and, and LA wins it. You know, like that That became more a part of my fandom than any other model that has ever existed. I mean, ever, ever, by a lot, by a lot. There's been no model since that has made me come into another genre and like have raw, real investment. You know what I mean? No, Engagement. it's true. So, I, I think that that's... That- your 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 example is crucial because it shows exactly where streamers are like yeah you have the one guy that might stream call of duty 20 22 hours a day but if you have a person that streams some call of duty plays some god of war does you know a little bit of call a, a little bit of um mass effect or just a variety of games it allows different audiences to engage i think it's one of the reasons why you know, attributing it to podcasting, people love Joe Rogan so much because one week he can talk to Mike Tyson next week. He can talk to Elon Musk. And while, while the personality is driving you to the content, the value you're getting from all of these other, other personalities is what's making that person a leader in the industry. I think with gaming, it's true. I think it's we're we're a community of many genres. It's just that the agendas, like you were saying, are being just, cultivated in specific ones and that's starting to lose its appeal especially with all these controversies just trickling out every every other week you know right absolutely 100 percent. and i mean that's that's kind of the way it's going it's like again back to what you're saying about you know what ninja's doing yeah he definitely changed the industry because Fortnite became such a popular thing that he was able to capitalize on it but here's the thing with that as you see from mixer and what's recently gone down with them is that the streaming personalities are making big numbers for a one-man army. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's his wife, there's the team, there's all that. But 
it's a one man show. Yep. And 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 the the numbers for him, you know, eight hundred thousand people being in his audience at all times, like active live will you know spend. That makes him a very rich man and very powerful in what he can do for influencing. So a lot of companies are coming to him. But then we look deeper into the data and look at what it's actually doing for these platforms. And, you know, that's where I'm at, right? Like, I'm definitely aware that the last two years, Ninja, Nick Merckx, all those guys have shown like, hey, why would you even compete? You could just do this. So for those individual gamers, that really works. But companies beware because Microsoft had to pay Ninja two times. They paid them to come over and be exclusive. Yep. And then now that it didn't even work a little bit, we tracked it the whole time and we saw that by September last year, it was July, the move happened. By September last year, Mixer had gained absolutely no ground in the streaming wars, zero ground. Yep. In fact, they may have lost ground. They went from 4% to like 2.2% of market share after paying one of these huge, unstoppable streamers multiple. They paid Ninja and Shroud and a couple other ones, right? And, and nothing happened at all. That's the data I'm looking at now that goes back to the genre conversation because you're not moving the needle if you're not moving the entire gaming community. It's segmented, but we need a product that brings them all together, and that's kind of the stuff we're working on now. Well, going going into that, I mean, with you and and when you're looking at uh, potential clients and potential brands you want to work for, what's what's your you know, obviously without giving away the secret of the sauce? What's your criteria when you're out there when you're when you're trying to acquire a potential talent or help a potential talent reach their potential? What are you looking for? What are some key indicators that you think hey this person they just need they just need to get put over a little bit to help them reach that upper echelon what 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 are your but let's put it this way what are your gold standards yeah so well done well done um <laughs> i think uh i think one of the main things that always drives me every single day no matter what is innovation um i just even like saying the word you know i don't think it gets said enough i think that being innovative in my life anyway is the one thing that will always make the rest follow. It'll make the success follow. It'll make the, you know, if money is what you're driven by, it'll make the money follow. It will make the people follow. It will make the new events follow. I mean, everything comes from when someone does it because everybody wants to be right to do something a second time. Once they see it, they're like, oh, I know what we can do. And you'll get a bunch of spinoffs, but you also get a bunch of people who want to be a part of what you're building. So the first thing I look for is innovation. If I've never seen it before, I probably want to talk to you about it. And it got me, if, whether it's good content or a good song or, uh, you know, a really cool video, um, you know, or like a great, you know, I've seen fireside chats. I'm like, wow, I've never seen that kind of, you know, interviews. It, you know, even even your show, Toys and Tech, back in the day, just, you know, before uh, it was, I remember just the way you were bringing content out. Things like that, to me, it's like the first catcher of like glimmer, like, yo, that's crazy. Like no one's doing that. And that's like what I want to be a part of. You know what I mean? Right. That's my number one. I got to say by a lot. And then number two is just motivation. Like if you want to motivate, I want to get behind people who want to motivate. I just know that, you know, as a guy who dropped out of college and, you know, at 2021 was in Japan helping develop, you know, DOA five and, uh, you know, uh, with Japanese media and things like that, those things never go past me because I feel like, what took me there was taking a game and making it culture. We DOA players were very well known for being, you know, this is, we produced, you know, Vanessa, the model, Swoozy is obviously Swoozy on YouTube. I've done well for myself. I've put songs on video games, songs in Nickelodeon. There's a very unique cast of us all in that community. And, um, you know, I, I find that it, it was our innovation. It was, it was just, we were, we, we, we took the game and we made it more about, meetups and culture and you know mixing martial arts with hip-hop and swag and you know we're in the new york area a lot so you know about it it's just kind of like uh you know and then we were a lot of doa players got selected to go on television when ultimate gamer was out so it was just all about being the first and being the most unique and so that's what gold standard means to me is like bring something to the table and everybody can eat everybody should just bring something to the table and like when you do that and you're the master of your own thing, you know, we all got marketers, we all got salespeople, we all know great podcasters like you, but like, what is the thing that you do that like, you know, that is just untangible, right? It's just that untangible. So I look for those 
and then motivation. All right, I guess, yeah, I said uh, innovation, but then motivation. Like, if you're motivated, you know, I was paying those Amtrak tickets to go to tournaments way before you were making money. I was going to them to win a pot of $800, which was, like, huge at 16 or yep. 18 or whatever. It's like that that kind of stuff. When I feel that energy coming off of somebody, like, I don't care, man, this means the world to me. That's the kind of people I want to get behind, the young people, man. So I definitely like uh, in, innovation and motivation. That's what's up. I I particularly like the fact that you always, while you work hard to ensure that there's representation across larger scale games, I also like that you appreciate and have a fondness for the independent developer and the independent games because those become the foundation for sometimes the communities of the future. I mean, look how look yeah. how far Rocket League came. That, you know, Rocket right. League started off exactly like that as an indie game. And before you know it, it was huge and became this massive cult following. Do you feel that we need, as a community, the the media needs to go back to basics with indie developers, especially because it feels like every other day a major company is gobbling up an indie developer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're I think you hit it on the head. I don't need to beat the horse dead with that. I think that 70 percent of the market is indie games. And then the only part that gets talked about is the other. 28% that's, uh, you know, AAA titles. So it's like, that's what gets talked about. That's what gobbles the media up. As you said, the, 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 the 28 to 30% is always, you know, taking chunks out of the 70%. But I think that you're absolutely right. The industry, it will go to that because here's the deal. The way the gaming is being distributed is changing, right? Like yep. 5G has now made mobile more realistic for gaming and obviously the COVID climate, as you called it, has made mobile more valuable and online more valuable. And so now, uh, you know, you got companies that are making these games and servicing different audiences. We call it the hyper casual audience. These people would never even think about competing competitively in a place. They wouldn't even think about what it takes to get to a tournament or booking a hotel room or thinking about finals or regionals, but they're on their phone and they're in a pool of 10,000 people. And if they beat this little puzzle the fastest, they're going to come down to the next 5,000 and they're playing for 10 grand. I mean, and they're on the couch and they're drinking tea and it's a wife to a husband who the husband's like, you playing that game again. And these are becoming valuable customers at low customer acquisition. So again, you follow the money. A lot of hyper casual companies are coming up right now and no one knows who they are or plays their game because we're not discussing it because they're not in that 30%. So there's a huge open treasure chest. If the Wild Wild West was esports 10 years ago, mobile is the new one. You can stake your flag in the ground and really drive a new audience. I'm talking about women, uh, children who aren't competitively looking to get into esports, uh, children who don't you know, necessarily have the specs to keep up with the PCs or uh, have the $700 and 70 a pop games that the consoles are about to do. Yep. Mostly everyone has a cell phone and most of these indie games don't have a specs issue. As long as you can download it, you're in. So I see that what you're saying is, you know, just kind of fact, like it, it, that's, that's actually what's happening. You actually just kind of <laughs> gave away the market. I hope the listeners really, really take that one in because mobile is where it's at right now. I've seen really cool mobile controllers and pads that are hooking up to phones now and, uh, that's that's where I'm seeing the industry, and indie is leading that because the major developers don't spend their time there. They yep. they just make ports of their large title to the mobile, right? Well, I mean, I saw Razer came out with that new peripheral that you would, you put your mobile phone in. It essentially turns your phone into almost a switch. And I said to myself, right. this is this is where this is where the next battle for for eyes is going to take place because yeah you know your 700 sure. your your 70 dollar games like you said and your your five your 500 dollar consoles are there but almost everybody is a little is a little less apprehensive about getting a new phone than they are getting a new console even though the phone in most cases costs more than the console does but it's all it's all, it's all in it's all in payments it's all in you know, contract, as long as you keep it good, yep. they'll give you a rental. We know how it goes with the cell phone market. The cell phone market doesn't act like the console market. So, you know, again, you're dropping game on people because that should just tell you right there, the low barrier entry for the players, yep. the opportunity, it, it's all so high right now. It's all so high. And I'm sure you couldn't name five, the top five, not you couldn't name because you're an expert, but most people couldn't name, uh, you know, the top, five games that aren't named call of duty and Fortnite that get played on mobile daily. Yep. You know what I mean? hundred percent. So that, that, that's exactly speaking to what you're saying about 
the industry just literally redhead stepchilding the teams that are in the basement working on that next amazing, you know, Dead Cells or Braid or uh, Rocket League was a great example. I mean, they're just there and it's just kind of the grind of like being an underground rapper. It's very comparable, right? Yep. So, um, you know, I think that you hit that on the head, man. Like that's exactly what I think. I think the mobile market and just indie games in general, um, I think that a lot of the consoles are starting to give them like their own spaces and stores and uh, promotions and Twitch seems to be partnering with them. So I think it's it's getting known, but it's still just so evergreen for those with that intel you got to to be able to capitalize on it. How do you how do you feel about the next quote unquote console race? Where do you feel that each each company has their their pluses as well as their minuses, or do you feel that we're getting into a a, a playing field where it's just an, if one game is on one console and it's not on the other, that's the only differentiator? I feel like we're at a point where graphics aren't being as valued as they once were. I think that just from surveying close friends and experts and, you know, executives from publishers and uh, developers and people like you, uh, and I'd love to hear your opinion, uh, but it just seems like this generation's graphic jump isn't the main driver more than like having it and, 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 and playing those exclusive games is the driver which leads me to believe that, you know, you can get the having exclusive games thing without having to spend, I don't know how much PlayStation or Microsoft has to, or Sony or Microsoft has to spend in R&D and technology and things like that to build these expensive consoles. So I, I think that things like Stadia and uh, uh, Xbox Game Pass has just been killing it. Um, I think that we're going to start seeing that trend of cloud gaming because as 5G rolls out, and our internet kind of catches up to the rest of the world. Um, it just feels like the war in the current circumstances. It just feels like finding a way to eliminate the console. I mean, PlayStation's even dropping one with no disc, right? Yep. So it's like finding a way to get rid of the hardware seems to be the next step. I mean, like this is the next one after these. I believe these are the last ones. It's, it's to sum that up into a bullet point, I believe these are the last ones. Uh, and I think that it doesn't really matter who buys which one now because either way you know it's, it's like okay who's gonna buy the how much money are they gonna make off this group of people that are just loyal to buying it and i think that my prediction is that they're both going to vastly undersell their previous counterparts and then we'll have a conversation of what's next and i think that people like google with stadia or uh like i said xbox with game pass and playstation has one as well those are those are the ways you're going to see people deciding like, hey, because I don't think graphics are a big deal because you look at something like Fortnite. I mean, yep. Sony just invested 250 million into Epic and yesterday. And I feel like, um, I mean, Fortnite has never been about the graphics. It, it, I mean, half the time you play Fortnite, half the time glitchy stuff happens today, three yep. years after it's released. Hundred percent. Well, and so, and so, so go ahead. I'll go on. Go on, please. No, what I was going to say is that right now you look at when we were growing up and you'd beat a Nintendo game and you would get a thanks for playing no elaborate ending, no nothing. And some of those games are considered all time classics. Now I kind of feel mm-hmm. that the community is a little bit spoiled to your point because, Oh, you get these mind blowing graphics and this and X, Y, Z, and that's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but you need that $2,000 television. You need to spend right. that $70 right. for the game. You need that extra right. $700 for the console. So to appreciate that experience, to mimic what you see on a YouTube trailer, the barrier of entry is massive. And I think that with games, that's that's the toughest part. I think the biggest frustration for me as a gamer over the years is that you end up having an entire shelf full of discs that as soon as a new console comes out, sometimes you got to essentially sell those for pennies and you can't even enjoy them. So I've always been a big proponent yeah. of backwards compatibility, and I think that that's what yeah. frustrates a lot of people. A lot of people I talk to, they're like, man, this new PlayStation 5 or this new Xbox system is coming out, and nobody's talking about if I could play these old games or not, or they'll only stop at like the previous generation, and people get pissed off. I mean, I still have a PS3, a launch model PS3 that still plays PS2 games, and I kept it that's, for that exact <laughs> reason, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's classic, dude. That's classic. Uh, I mean, that you hit it on the head with that. It's just kind of like 
at what point do we begin to and I mean I feel I gotta I gotta imagine that even through the corporate structure we were talking about a little while ago I gotta imagine that uh, like the company's gotta know I mean I feel like that's why Sony would invest in Epic because Epic has made their own Steam store which means that Sony could probably be a part of those uh, IPs or you know a part of those projects. And again, that would be them getting into the PC market. See, and they're getting away from having to build so much hardware. And I imagine Microsoft, uh, who's a software company first, uh, they probably had to spend double or triple because obviously because Sony's a hardware company, if I own a chicken farm, then wings at my house are free, right? So I'm sure it's cheaper for them to build PlayStation than it is for Microsoft to build Xboxes because, you know, if sure. I own the cow farm, I'd have to source the chicken. The Microsoft is a software company. So I feel like both of them are probably spending way more money than they need to to gain, you know, our engagement or our, you know, our spending with them. Because, you know, as I said, Fortnite is an example. Rocket League is a great example. These games are low barrier to entry and they're free and they're on other places than a new PlayStation or a new Xbox. So it seems to me that, you know, and you made a great point about the backwards compatibility. At what point do I have to, do I, can I stop and enjoy all games through time? And it just seems, again, like uh, Xbox Game Pass is bringing those games back. Stadia is allowing you to play it anywhere and, you know, on cloud-based. And I think about if, you know, and when we get to a place where we're back in live format, um, you know, I, I've always, I've been stating this for, you know, probably since 2020 at least. Um, I just think that like cloud-based tournaments, even when you walk into a place, like if the place is tethered with 5G and it can be that kind of speed at all times, premium, you know, do we need consoles? You know what I mean? That's right. If, if, do, do we have to, do we need to have, does a tournament organizer need to bring 41 consoles? You know what I mean? And, and all those TVs and things like that. Like, are we getting to a point where it's starting to be like beaming the, the technology to where it needs to be? and trusting in, you know, the latency and speeds and all the variables. But I mean, it, it just feels like we're traveling towards that. Then everybody like, Oh, you got that new PS five. Again, there's more data to be done research and more time to go by and we'll see how they deal with the launches. But just even watching Sony pull out of E3 last year. Um, and you know, just the, the trans, the, 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 as the time transpires, it seems like we're getting away from console. So I think this console year is cool, but, uh, you know, I'm paying a little bit closer to the election, paying a little bit closer attention to the election. The um, the the last one before we go into the next segment of the show, where do you see Nintendo in all this? Uh, I mean, I, I always felt like Nintendo is the type of brand that just plays it really, really safe. Nintendo reminds me of the NFL. Um, they really don't get involved with uh, with their with their communities. Um, they never really have. They've always just offered it as a standpoint of we're a family company and everybody's included, even if that's not necessarily always true. Um, they can stand on it because it's the same way like the NFL can say like, hey, you know, everybody's welcome here. But, you know, obviously all the heat that they're catching is from different directions of different groups of people who feel like that's not a true statement. I feel like Nintendo has done a what, really great job of keeping themselves out of any kind of conversations of what they're going to do or how they're going to be involved or uh you know uh kind of develop what's coming next you can never tell what nintendo's going to do next and uh they kind of like it like that they're not looking to be like in that conversation of who's better they didn't involve themselves and they don't want to involve themselves they move at their own pace they're never going to release on the same time like this would be the fourth generation of xbox and playstations that have gone by where nintendo is not even there in that same year you know what i mean yep it's like they don't they don't really move to the beat of anybody else's drum and it served them well you know there you go all right uh i want to move into what we like to call the hot seat it's just a series of rapid fire questions covering uh different aspects of what you do and um we usually use that as the second part of the show and then we'll wrap up um so real easy real off the cuff uh, we'll start with the with the first one. You when you turn on your phone in the morning, what are what's the first app you go to? Oh, good question. Uh, LinkedIn. Nice. Um, what do you think is one of the biggest things that's hurting a platform like LinkedIn in terms of reaching a younger demo? 
Uh, I think that to reach beyond the demo, they just need to flex more on their capabilities. Like, I don't know why they're scared to tell people like, hey, you can directly message CEOs of companies and their tendency to open is definitely over 50% on any other platform. You know, like, it's just, it's insane. You know, like the conversations that you can have with very same people who are on any other platform from Gmail to Facebook to any other place you would contact somebody, they wouldn't even give you the time of day, let alone connect with you. LinkedIn, you can get connections and you can, uh, you know, really build and have your voice heard if you have the, you know, uh, credentials or even if you don't have the credentials, but you have a proper way of introducing yourself, you can really unlock and network in ways that you simply couldn't do maybe even 20 years ago. I would, I would, I would beat that point in the head because I feel like that's what most people on the internet are looking for is information and opportunities. So that's what I, I feel like LinkedIn is just slept on in that way. Nice. Uh, besides LinkedIn, what are three apps you can't live without? Oh, good question. Uh, uh, these days, if I had the base on right now, uh, I definitely can't live without uh, Airtable. I definitely can't live without uh, like my calendar, Google Calendar. And I would have to say uh, like Fiverr. Like I, having the Fiverr app, I do a lot of outsourcing and having, you know, some of those professionals at my fingertips is just very, it allows me to, you know, keep everything automated uh, with kind of some of our campaigns and things we're working on. Uh, having the Fiverr app is incredible. That's just my favorite thing. The the movement, especially, as you said, to with 5G, do you see yourself using your phone or mobile device to conduct more of your business now than your laptop or your desktop? For sure. For sure. With, you know, the opportunities of like Fiverr and Zoom is another great app that, you know, is right in your phone and you can set meetings and jump right in and split the screen and share your phone screen. And just I, I definitely 100 percent. I think as long as 5G and the phones begin to respond properly so that we're moving at a, a, a genuinely seeable faster pace i think that that's coming and it might be already upon us i'm just not that good with it there you go what's your favorite piece of tech besides your phone or your computer uh i really like my stream deck i wish i used it more but i really like my stream deck like i always have fun when i'm taking a few minutes to like program it before a stream or something i always am like why don't i just take an entire like two days block everything else out and just become like a master of this awesome <laughs> thing it just does production it does audio sound obviously it changes scenes you can just like add pictures to things. I mean, it's just it's having a like a, a nice mixer studio right in your fingertips. So I love the stream deck. There you go. What was the last book you read? I just finished The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Nice. And, uh, you know, just a, just, a, just a classic book about the tactics of engagement. But really, it delves deeper into, you know, your mind and a lot of philosophies that, you know, great warriors through the years have had, you know. As a gamer, what are you playing now? Right now, I'm not playing much. I'll still dabble in Mortal Kombat here and there. Uh, it's pretty cool that like I still. I, one thing that I carry as a badge of honor is like I should be able to any fighting game that I've spent a lot of time on in March through April or April, excuse me, when it released last year, April through June, I was pretty hardcore on it. So any fighting game, uh, you know, enthusiast will tell you no matter how far I get away from it. I should still be able to, uh, you know, scrap with you a little bit. And uh, I always like to just pop it on for maybe an hour. If I can go like four or five straight wins to me, because I spend no time anymore uh, on the game, uh, it still shows I still got something in my, in my, my mechanics. Nice. Um, what was the, what was the last item you purchased that was less than a hundred dollars that made your life easier or more enjoyable? That's a good question. I mean, was I supposed to be prepared for that? <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. Uh, less than a hundred bucks. That's a great question. Let me think. I I, I buy a lot of items, so exactly. It doesn't. Um, it, it it could be something so simple. It, like there's no there's no barrier with that. Yeah. Um. I think maybe this tripod for my phone camera. Okay. Uh, like the adapter. It was twenty bucks, and it just holds your phone. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The thing yep. that goes on top of the tripod. I've just never had that. I have cameras. I have the tripod tripod excuse me but i've never like really had a little camera clip to go on top of my big tripod and then now that i'm using it it's like why did i not just grab this i worked at best buy in 2014 like why didn't i not grab one of these on discount years and years and years ago you know what i mean it's just that it's that it's been that helpful nice it wouldn't be toys and tech without talking about some toys what was your favorite toy from your childhood forever oh good question uh yeah man i gotta say like that PS2 or that uh, 
that 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 Xbox. I mean, my whole thing I tell people is I came up off the Xbox. I I was an Xbox maniac. I think that that was my toy because it wasn't just about playing and gaming. It was like I had all the old CDs around the house, all the now 29s and now 30s. Yep. <laughs> I had them all loaded into the music. And I had, you know what I mean? It was my thing. I was opening that green box and uh, like opening, pressing the button and getting into that green world with the four, the four things and that big Xbox ball. That was like where I was living. You know what I mean? I was like home. You know what I mean? That's the first thing that makes me feel warm and reminds me of CT and like, like that was my place you know i was very introverted and i just loved it and uh that was it but at a younger age i'll give you a toy um probably at a younger age my favorite was uh a little mini golf game where like it was like you set the little the little like a uh, coal up and you set like had a little hill and like, okay. i would just be trying to golf down because you had this long back hallway and i would always set it up in there and go further the green only went about five feet but you know for four kids but I'd go way deeper down the hall and make sure the hall floor was clean. And I'd try to like get it from way back. That was like my jam. I used to do that probably way too much. Like I thought I was Tiger Woods, y'all. <laughs> uh, last question. Uh, one, if I were to call you one year from now and say, Sebastian, how's gold standard doing? What is your goal to be at a year from now? Yeah, man. I definitely think that we are, you know, a leader in uh, events. Uh, you know, throwing events and experiences. Um, I definitely think that um, our new project, Cage, Cosplay, Anime, Gaming, and Esports, I think that uh, we're a leader in content and, um, and uh, you know, in culture and inclusion. And I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're expanding outside of just America to uh, countries like uh, Ghana and uh, Nigeria and places that are uh, developing their esports scenes uh, worldwide in South America as well, uh, Brazil, and places that have people of color that uh, also really want to build and express themselves and develop games and, uh, you know, really connecting the world uh, other than what we've seen thus far. Really, like I said, innovation and uh, hopefully just leading the world into a new, you know, as what we call esports 2.0, where it's kind of like a new community that doesn't look like the one from maybe this year or the years before. All right. And uh, our last segment, always something that we like to use to give a little more value. We call it reach one, teach one. Um, my question for you to close things out uh, for the new generation of gamers and content creators that are on the come up. What's uh, one piece of actionable advice you'd give to anybody that came to you and said, Hey, I want to get into what you do. Uh, go, go learn, man. Gambuchu, Gambu, uh, Gambishi, and excuse me if I'm saying it wrong, but uh, it was actually a term created by a, a gentleman at Toyota. His name for, forgets me, but uh, he actually developed a Toyota Sienna uh, by going to America um, because he was, you know, losing lots of sleep over the fact that. Toyota was saying, hey, if you don't develop a new vehicle, we're going to go another direction with things because, you know, you haven't developed anything in a long time. And so uh, research had said families in the country in the 80s were looking more at minivans. And so he didn't know what they wanted in minivans. So he went and uh, drove across the country in an older model of a Toyota minivan and just pulled up in the parking lots of essentially Walmarts and Targets, uh, whatever those stores were in the 80s, and uh just across America from California. He flew from Japan to California. The company gave him their older model of minivan that wasn't selling very well. And his strategy to get sales and get the Toyota Sienna to become a popular product in America uh, was to drive from California across the country all the way to Maine and just stop at different stores and say, hey, tell me everything you like about this and hate about it. And he just literally went out there by himself and collected data for three weeks of driving across the country, went back home and made what was the Toyota Sienna, which to this day is the number one selling minivan of all time. So I tell people like, get out there, get out there, go do it. Like you don't have another choice. Experience over education every single time. Experience over education every single time. Experience over education every single time. Go out there and get it. It's experience no one can take from you. You can fall, bump your head. You can have great success. You can be right in the middle and be about lukewarm. But what you'll never lose is that that day you went out and you learned whether you liked it or not because you had to experience it. So get out there, bump your head, get on that online tournament, you know, figure out, 
you know, what, what you can do to be a better player and then begin to think outside of that if you're a player. If you want to be a tournament organizer, get out, volunteer. Even right now, you can't get offline. Help an online tournament. Uh, you know, jump in conversations with people who also administrate tournaments, whatever you want to do, right? If you want to develop games, where well, we just had a big talk, uh, you and I, on indie developers and how small they are and how you could probably contact them through LinkedIn. Just get out there and gain your experience. You know, no one can take that from you. And so that's what you should be focused on working on. And the rest will just begin to unlock. It's like you can't control the time. Your time and the universe's time is totally different. But as long as you're working towards it, uh, you know, great things will begin to happen. You and I are both examples of that. That's right. Uh, last but not least, to call to action to wrap things up, where can people find you and keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, man. ConsultGSG.com. ConsultGSG.com. Com. Uh, that is our new website. Uh, we're proud of it because uh, you know our, our website was great, but we really wanted to bring something 2020. It just launched back in June, and uh, we wanted to give it so that it's easy to access us. Uh, you know, you can get one-on-one meetings booked. Uh, you just go there, you book. It'll notify the team, and we'll get you set up with a meeting so we can help really grow and develop your business, your brand, and you know showcase you to the world, help you showcase you to the world, not just, you know, give you the fish and say, here, eat, it's a good fish. We're going to give you the rod and, you know, sit with you and teach you how to fish so that when we leave, we know you're good to eat for life. That's what's up. That's a great way to close things out. Uh, Sebastian, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to share the toys and tech of your trade. Hey, man, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, toys and tech for trade uh, is probably one of my favorite casts and uh i'm definitely a fan so thanks for having me on what a phenomenal conversation with sebastian i it was so great to reconnect share his story share the toys and tech of his trade and hopefully give those of you that are in the video game space that are looking to take it to the next level whether it's as a pro gamer or a streamer some actionable info that you can use to improve those chances and maybe put you on a path towards making a career out of gaming uh definitely uh, again just a great opportunity that i got to connect with sebastian and share his story with you guys as always everything we talked about in this episode will be linked in the show notes some of those links may be affiliate links which if you click and use we will receive a small commission which goes towards helping give you guys a better on-air product as well as improving our website and of course improving everything that we do on youtube as well again it's at no cost to you you click it we get a small commission and you get whatever it is you're looking for whether it's a product uh software or a service so definitely we invite you to use those links we really really would appreciate it as always if you're checking out this podcast on itunes please take a moment and shoot us a review we would appreciate it whether it's just doing something as simple as clicking the stars or writing a brief review either or Again, it's huge. It does really well for social proof, which is always great when you're trying to secure more uh, larger guests, especially if you want to get into actors and things like that. The first thing is, oh, who's listening? Is your audience engaged, etc.? cetera? Uh, every review helps us out. So if you can take a few seconds, again, we would really, really appreciate it. Last but not least, if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, you can email me rich at rageworks.net or fill out the contact form on our Rageworks podcast network site, rageworksnetwork.com. Lastly, if you use uh, Podit, P-O-D-D-I-T, or the Matchmaker service, both of those services exist to connect potential guests with podcasts. You can find Toys and Tech of the Trade there as well. If you're not familiar with the service, we'll make sure to link to it in the show notes. So if you are looking for uh, guests for your podcast or looking to be a guest on a podcast, including this one, you can find us there as well. Thank you guys as always for your continued support. We will see you in two weeks with a brand new episode of toys and tech of the trade. That's it. I'm out of here. Peace.
Toys and Tech of the Trade is part of the RageWorks Podcast Network, your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageWorksNetwork.com. Hey, I'm Kayla. As a mom working from home, life is crazier than ever, especially on days like these. But I'm still ruling my day thanks to Metro. Metro gave me an awesome phone and tablet. Now my son can get his homework done on the tablet without needing to borrow my laptop. Plus, with Metro, Amazon Prime is included, so I can access great deals and discounts on school essentials and get them delivered in no time with unlimited free shipping, all while keeping an eye on my son to make sure he finishes his online practice tests before he starts watching his favorite Amazon originals. Right now, get a new phone and tablet on us when you switch to Metro, the number one brand in prepaid. Plus, enjoy high-speed data on both devices with one Amazon Prime membership included for just $75 a month. Metro by T-Mobile, rule your day. I'm Kayla, and that's how I rule my day with Metro. With new lines of service after rebate redemption plus sales tax and activation fee. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members on select rate plans. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 a month cost. Restrictions apply. Some call it insight. Others call it vision. At Pershing, we call it perspective. A perspective you'll benefit from. From a custodian you can rely on. One who can help navigate the big picture. And whose products give you a competitive edge. One who considers everything. What will help you succeed today and tomorrow. Open yourself to a new perspective and open the possibilities. Consider everything. BNY Mellon Pershing. Learn more at pershing.com slash RIA. Pershing Advisor Solutions, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC.